There's a lot of stories out there. Stories that attempt to explain what the world is and what it is not. Stories that try to explain who you are and who you are not. There are stories that try to tell you what or who to be afraid of, what or who to believe, what or who to trust, what to care about. The stories come in all forms. Some are songs. Some get told through movies. Some stories are long newspaper articles or books even while others can be told through a 30-second television ad or on a billboard or as an image with just a few words on your favorite social media platform. But for as many stories as we are subjected to through 21st century marketing, the most powerful stories are not told in story form necessarily, as though it's bedtime, time to hear a story. Most of the world's greatest stories are told by people through their words and their actions. There's so many competing stories. Americans are steeped in a 17th century puritanical work ethic that believes this life is about productivity. Stay busy. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, after all. It will not only help you to improve your lot in life by profiting from your work, it's just faithful, goes the idea. Because just sitting around never served anyone. But there's this other idea that sees the randomness of pain and suffering in this life. An idea that believes work and busyness are empty of relationships and connectedness. So, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's a short life. Enjoy it. Do you live to work? Or work to live? Which story is right? Or I was listening to a song the other day, No Hard Feelings by the Avett Brothers. Great song. It's got this line, though, that just sticks in my brain. When my body won't hold me anymore, and it finally lets me free, will I be ready? The story that this line assumes is that each of us is biding time in these vulnerable, imperfect, oftentimes pain-ridden bodies, and that death will offer this welcome freedom that the true me wants, needs, from this annoying, limited shell. But there's this other story from Scripture that suggests resurrection is not something that only happens for my soul, God the Creator did not only create my soul, God created all of me, including a body that God called very good. So if God the Creator chose to create my body, the story goes that God the Savior will save my body. The ancient Christian hope is that resurrection is for the entire creation, not just parts of it, which means resurrection will include my heart, mind, body, and soul. But which story is right? Because many of us prefer to imagine a resurrection that has happened already to souls. Okay, last one. And this one is pertinent to political philosophies. There's one story that tells us to look out for number one, me. The idea is that no one else is going to look out for me, so I better look out for myself. 
advocate for myself, stand up for myself. Is that how each taxpayer and each church member and each teammate should behave? As long as my needs are met, I'm good. That person can stand up for their self. But of course, there's a competing story that our lives are graced to us that we may serve our neighbor as much as we serve ourself. There's a story that calls us to stand up for the marginalized ones, that if we don't, no one will, that I'm not good until the needs of all people are met, not just my own. What if that's how every taxpayer, every church member, every teammate behaved? It matters what stories get told. That may sound obvious, but if we allow our Christian stories to go untold, then there's no chance, zero chance, that our kids will live in the truth and peace and joy and love of God's grace and mercy. My kids are going to see me work hard for money to some extent, and that translates into being able to have stuff and do stuff. The easy equation for kids and really anyone to make is that money matters. But how much? Is money worth me never being home? Is money worth you never truly being present? My kids are going to watch me enjoy watching a football game or following a football team. When my son sees me choosing football over a family gathering, for example, or over throwing the ball around with him, what story does he come to know? Or when our imperfect union looks down its nose at the rest of the world as though America is somehow superior, not only because of our Constitution, but that our people are somehow inherently better, superior. How does that story shape our children as they meet people who sound or look different from them. We Christians must tell our stories loudly, proudly, all the time. This week's text is God's way of saying this very thing. Tell my story to your children. Don't let the truth of my grace and love get lost in the world's sea of jealousy and bitterness and war and division. Okay, so What's the story, you may ask? Well, the story is Passover. It could have been creation or the call of Abraham or the way God provided a ram in place of Isaac on the table of sacrifice or how God made the most of Joseph and his brothers not getting along. There's lots of stories, obviously, but there's this one story that gets at almost everything we need to know about God and God's people, and that story is Passover. Our primary Christian story, of course, is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We tell how God chose to stoop down from the heavens to become one of us, and that once God became a human, Jesus took on the political powers of his time. Jesus wanted to point out their lies and their corruption, which got him killed on a cross, innocently. But then, Jesus didn't stay dead. Not only did he make the worldly powers look foolish, but Jesus defeats death. The cosmic powers of good are shown to be more true than evil, always and forever. Amen. The story of Passover is obviously a different story 
than the story of Jesus, but it gets at all the same stuff. God chooses to not just remain distant from the cries of God's people as they're enslaved. Israel, through Moses, God's going to get down and dirty with the political powers of that day. The Pharaoh of Egypt is shown to be morally corrupt, narcissistic, willing to do anything to keep his power and wealth. But just as Jesus overcame death on a cross, the Israelites overcome the greatest powers of evil in this world with the help of God's pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day and the parting of the sea and the drowning of the Egyptians. In the Passover story, God makes the Pharaoh look foolish. And the powers of love are shown to be more true than the powers of evil. Have we ever needed to hear that story more than right now? Not in my lifetime. As we live into a winter when we know a pandemic's going to make it even lonelier, more dangerous, more difficult than usual. As we head into the last month of a bitter and bizarre political campaign. I mean, our state, I don't think we appreciate how difficult it is to be a Wisconsinite in 2020. Our state has been the epicenter for the political divide of our whole nation for four years now. My neighborhood is full of signs, more yard signs than there, more signs and yards than yards that don't have yard signs. That's what I'm trying to say. Most of us have yard signs is what I'm trying to say. Every advertisement break on any medium is full of political ads. We Wisconsin humans are being blitzed with politically divisive stories. And we have to live next to these neighbors, <laughs> many of whom we disagree with deeply, while we're trying to teach our kids or grandkids or confirmands amid staying at home. Because our state isn't only at the political epicenter, we are currently at the pandemic's epicenter. In the whole world, we're experiencing the third fastest breakout of COVID-19 infections which is pitting 20 or 30-somethings against elders, and then vice versa. It all feels so bad. Corruption and evil and division lurk behind every corner, it seems. But this is nothing new, actually. God knew thousands of years ago that people like us would be facing corruption, evil, and division all the time. And so God said, remember. Remember this story, this quintessential story about who I am, how I love, and who you are, and how you are loved. Tell your kids this story every year. Every year. Because you're going to need to remember. It's going to be easy to forget that I am the Lord, not any politician, not any virus, that love wins. I care enough about you and this world to expose the corrupt, to provide for your every need, and to unite you. It is tempting today, and it will be tempting tomorrow, to say or think or post cynical things. Pessimistic, faithless, divisive things that feed these monsters all around us. And it's hard to wait to see God's work come to fruit. But remember, O oh First Lutheran, goodness is stronger and more true than evil. 
Love is stronger and more true than hate. Some things never change. Thanks be to God. Amen.